Well, that was the opening music to To Be or Not To Be from 1942, uh, directed by Ernst Lubitsch and starring Carol Lombard, Jack Benny, Robert Stack, Felix Brassard, Lionel Atwell, who is also in one of the upcoming movies we're going to be doing, Hound of the Baskervilles. He plays Dr. Moriarty. Oh, yes, and I just watched another one, uh, Son of Frankenstein, and he plays the police captain in that village where Basil Rathbone, the son of Frankenstein, shows up. He, he's, oh, he must have been a very cool. busy actor. Yeah, no kidding. It, oh, I don't think it's Moriarty. The Moriarty was Sherlock Holmes' arch nemesis, right? It's um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Mortimer. Mortimer. <laughs> Dr. Mortimer. Dr. Mortimer. Yeah. Good actor. Uh, he plays a funny character in this one. He's kind of the overacting ham. Although, so is uh, Jack Benny's character, Joseph Tura. <laughs> Maybe they all are. You mean really. you haven't heard of me? <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> I, there was a line in there where one of the other actors says, But look, I'm going with Ella I have to tonight. Here am I sitting waiting for my scene, all eager to go, and I have to wait and wait to be driven out of my mood just because two little actors in the cast want to enlarge their parts. Mr. Ravitch, what you are, I wouldn't eat. How dare you call me a ham? Right. I watched it the second time. So this is our second time recording this episode. We've had this happen a few times where like one of our recordings doesn't quite work out and we have to re-record it. And I found it a lot more enjoyable the second time, actually. I'm kind of glad this happened because it wasn't quite as shocking the second time to see that opening scene where they're all dressed up as Nazi soldiers and they're, they're making fun of Nazism and Hitler and... Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Colonel, we have Wilhelm Kunze here. If you'd like to look into his record. I hope he'll talk. He'd better. Send him in. Yes, sir. Wilhelm Kunze! Wilhelm Kunze! Wilhelm Kunze! Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler. <laughs> and now, Wilhelm. I understand you want a little tank to play with, huh? Yes, my father promised me one if I got a good report card. But our Fuhrer heard about your report card and decided to give you just what you want. Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! <laughs> you, uh, you are going to tell your father who gave it to you, aren't you, Wilhelm? Sure, our Fuhrer. And then uh, maybe he will like the Fuhrer a little better, won't he? Sure. He, uh... He doesn't like him now, does he, Wilhelm? No, he doesn't. And uh, sometimes he even says funny things about him, doesn't he? Well, he said they named a brandy after Napoleon, and they made a herring out of Bismarck, and Hitler's going to end up as... A piece of cheese. Yes. Yeah. How did you know? Well, it's a, it's a natural thought. Oh. A natural thought? Well, I, I hope you don't misunderstand. I, I always... Well, that is... You see, we, we, you see, Colonel, I... I hope you don't doubt my... Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Der Führer! Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Heil myself. That's not in the script. But, Mr. Dobosh, please. That's not in the script, Mr. Brunsky. But it'll get a laugh. But I don't want a laugh here. How many times have I told you not to add any line? I want... You want my opinion, Mr. Dobosh? No, Mr. Greenberg, I do not want your opinion. All right, then let me give you my reaction. A laugh is nothing to be sneezed at. Mr. Greenberg, I hired you as an actor and not as a writer, understand? No. What does the script say? I make an entrance. And what do you say? Nothing. Then say nothing. And I was able to take it more as it was, I think, meant as, a, as comedy. Whereas the first time when I watched it, I was like, what am I watching? This, this seems really inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I've seen it maybe five, six times, and I never get tired of it. There's always something new, and it, it, it's such a challenge for uh, the director, Lubitsch, to have pulled off a wartime drama, uh, a dictatorship, incompetence, a romance, a uh, love story, it's all all in one. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really all there. There's some scenes when uh, Lieutenant Sobinski is 
uh, parachuting into Poland and it, it and he's being chased by the Nazis and that feels like a wartime movie like a war movie and then there's like the scenes where they're on the stage and Joseph Tour is he's I was thinking last night when I was watching he's way too old to play Hamlet but he just loves to play Hamlet you know he that's <laughs> the role that he wants to be playing but he's he's so like overacting in those scenes and it's so it's kind of a funny comedy about his, his character and Maria's character and I, I think some of my favorite parts are the interactions between those two Jack Benny and Carol Lombard they have some really quick witted dialogue in that first act where they're really the repartee between the two of them is really really good I afraid why should I be no of course not you're the greatest actor in the world everybody knows that including you don't be a prima donna whenever there's a chance to take the spotlight away from me it's becoming ridiculous the way you grab attention whenever I start to tell a story you finish it if I go on a diet you lose the weight if I have a cold you cough and if we should ever have a baby I'm not so sure I'd be the mother I'm satisfied to be the father it's an excellent screenplay by uh Edwin Justice and Melchior, I can't pronounce that last name correctly, Lengyar. Langyal? Langyal. Yeah. And I guess Ernst Lubitsch was also involved in the writing, uh, he, uncredited. But it really is uh, witty and, and smart dialogue. It's fun. That, that, one of the yeah. things I like about f- films from the 30s and 40s is the, the attention to the dialogue, the story because they didn't have the uh, ability to do the special effects and all of that that we see today in films. So, uh, is this filmed on the, on the... Well, we should introduce ourselves. I was just we've thinking the same thing. we this habit of talking for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, so thanks for joining us. You're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net. And on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews. And... Uh, yeah, that, uh, I was mentioning in another episode that we redid our Patreon so that we have one tier at $3 a month, and we're going to be doing some extras over there. We have uh, an extra, actually we have two bonus episodes over there right now already this year. Uh, one is a video call that we had with uh, Jimmy Custis where we were talking about Some Like It Hot, and then another episode where we just do a deep dive on Anime Wong. And uh, coming up in February, we're going to have a deep dive on Basil Rathbone because we're going to be doing four of his movies coming up. So head over there to check that out. And then I should also mention that um, we're posting episodes to our public feed over on our website from 2020 where they were behind the Patreon paywall and, and now we're making those public. So you'll you'll see a bunch of older episodes popping up into your feed over the next week or two as well as on facebook i'm taking that as a project to post uh, links to episodes over on facebook so lots lots happening keeping me busy it really is yeah and i'm matt johnson coming to you from uh sunny north bend today actually it's uh, the rain thank goodness has has stopped and this is uh, bob johnson in los angeles where we're having uh, winter weather uh, some cold and rainy weather so we have your seattle weather for the rest of this week and into next and welcoming everyone back to to be or not to be from 1942 which is a really fun movie oh and by the way by talking first and then doing the introduction about 10 minutes in that's kind of a new thing that i see in movies one of the things i find as i'm watching them now is they'll oftentimes not do the credits until the end that was never that was never done in the in the old days the old school method they got everything up front well, I watched the latest James Bond movie, and they, they, I mean, this is kind of a thing with James Bond movies anyway, uh, which is they'll have like a big sort of introductory action scene, and then they'll go into the credits with the the, the theme song and, and all that, which is kind of cool. So I, I just wanted to mention uh, our uh, analysis and, and deep dive into the life of Anna Mae Wong. I keep finding more films that she made. And I, I sent you a text for one that I uh, watched just a couple of days ago from 1938, where she plays an astrologer, and it's really excellent. She's got a lead and very, very big role in that. We might have to circle back and do a few more at some point because, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I've had the same experience where I found more things about her life that I'd like to talk about. So we'll we'll see maybe later this year.
Just, uh, I, I'm not sure this is the exact title because I didn't, I don't have it in front of me, but it's Anime Wong in 1938. And I believe it's called When Were You Born? So That's close anyway. And it's really an excellent, strong role for her. She had so many different roles at so many different levels of involvement from the very weak to the stereotypes to these really, really important roles. Quite an interesting life. But anyway, I digress. Well, it's sticking with the digression uh, track here, I, I wanted to mention a, a listener, Dan, made a comment on episode 189, uh, Mr. Blandings Builds His Dream House, saying that he lives like two miles from that house. Wasn't that neat? I really and enjoyed that, 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 that house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that house is still standing. It's been remodeled a few times, he says, but the, the landscaping really looks like from the movie. And I, he, he was uh, offering to send uh, some photos of of that house. I thought, oh, that'd be awesome. Um, and I, I'm curious to see what that area looks like because it was just like pastoral farmland in, in the movie. And I'm sure now that it's all built up as a, I don't know, a bedroom community or something maybe. I really uh, I want to thank Dan for that uh, that uh, note because it was fun to read. And I never really realized that that, that house would still be around. Yeah, that's cool. And I also liked what he so, said about the the mud room. Was it or the something to do with the mud room and the 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 wells that were either too deep or too low, too uh, shallow? Oh, he says that's a yeah. He says that that's a total thing around that area where those troubles that they ran into building that house were pretty common around there. About well, shallow well, deep well. You know, it's like big big boulders that they would have to dig out or work around and. So it's that part of the filming, or I'm sorry, that part of the story was kind of true to life. So, okay, anyway, back to to be or not to be. Um, yeah, as I was mentioning, it's it's. I would say this movie is better on a second viewing than even on the first viewing for me. I really, I really enjoyed it the second time. I, I mean, I liked it the first time, but it was there was just so much happening. It was almost like just trying to keep up with the story, and and the second time I was able to sit back and, and just enjoy the performances a bit more. Well, it it it's got so many different stories and and subplots. It starts out with like you say, where here's this uh, German uniformed officer out on the streets of Warsaw before the invasion by uh, the, the the Germans. And and the guy is impersonating Hitler because he, he believes that he can actually pull that off. Lubinsky, Kubinsky, Lominsky, Rosansky, and Poznansky. We're in Warsaw, the capital of Poland. It's August 1939. Europe is still at peace. At the moment, life in Warsaw is going on as normally as ever. But suddenly something seems to have happened. Are those Poles seeing a ghost? Why does this car suddenly stop? Everybody seems to be staring in one direction. People seem to be frightened, even terrified, some flabbergasted. Can it be true? It must be true, no doubt. The man with the little mustache, Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler in Warsaw when the two countries are still at peace and all by himself? He seems strangely unconcerned by all the excitement he's causing. Is he by any chance interested in Mr. Maslowski's delicatessen? That's impossible. He's a vegetarian. And yet, he doesn't always stick to his diet. Sometimes he swallows whole countries. Does he want to eat up Poland, too? Anyhow, how did he get here? What happened? Well, it all started in the general headquarters of the Gestapo in Berlin. And that's a heck of a beginning, because then it's uh, it, the little girl comes up to him and really sees right through it and asks him for his autograph as his real actor <laughs> name. Yeah. But then we we, we get yeah. into the the plot, which is is uh, well, how, where to begin? Carol Lombard and Jack Benny are famous, world famous in their minds, at least in Jack Benny's mind, as the tourists uh, in in Warsaw and in Poland, and then the uh, Nazis invade. And there's the hair, the hair raising, bombings, and and all of that that just just destroys most of Warsaw. Now, was that filmed on the back lot? I mean, the, I thought that street scene, kind of where they introduce Tom Duggan's character, who's who's impersonating 
Hitler looked so good and so real. And they kind of go through this little montage of everybody's names and they all sort of sort of end in ski, you know, like all these different shops and and you get the vibrancy of, of the town and like how much activity there is. And and that's that's really contrasted about 10 minutes later where they're being invaded and bombed. And, and then it's just, it's just complete destruction. Uh, and, and they show all these broken signs and people standing in front of their shops that are just burned to the ground. I have to believe that that was filmed on the back lot. Uh, it was the United Artists production, so they probably filmed it at the MGM studio at that time. But I remember I, I had a, I had, the, I was fortunate to go on a really in-depth tour of Warner Brothers and I got to see because the, the man that was kind of taking us through that had the history that was amazing. And I remember in Casablanca, the scenes where Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman are in Paris and you'd think it, well, they really is, they are in Paris. But here he's telling us, there were three of us on the tour about how they converted this part of the Warner Brothers lot to exactly replicate what was in that movie. I mean, so they're just, they're masterful at making it look like it's real. There were some real scenes, like when Robert Stack's character is parachuting out of the plane and that sort of thing, but I think probably because of the wartime and all, and cost, it was done here in in the L.A. area. Yeah, well, it's really well done. And uh, then I think we cut back to... England, where there there's this uh, group of Polish uh, airmen who are fighting with the English, and there there's this whole group of them. I don't know, like twenty five or thirty of them, and they're all talking to this um, Professor Selesky. Yes, Alexander Selesky, a Nazi spy masquerading as a Polish resistance worker. He's goading them on in a way to kind of get them to to tell him more information about their families and and where they live and he's saying well i'm going to be going back to poland and i'll try to get these messages to them Gentlemen, it's gratifying to see that you still keep your sense of humor. Oh, we are even much funnier over Berlin. <laughs> I only wish that I were young enough to do for our country what you're doing. Oh, come on, Professor. One of your radio speeches is worth 10,000 bombs. Oh, when do we hear you again, Professor Selecki? Well, I'm afraid it might be quite some time. Why? What's the matter? Oh, nothing. I just happen to be going on a little trip. And anybody that buys a return ticket these days is decidedly an optimist. You're going on a secret mission, Professor. <laughs> Well, I see it's no use. You boys are too clever for me. No, I know. He's going to Berlin to call on Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not exactly. And I certainly hope that Hitler doesn't call on me. (laughs) Well, gentlemen, thank you for honoring me with an excellent dinner. Professor, are you by any chance going to Warsaw? That'll be risking your neck. After all, you boys risk your lives every day, don't you? So you are going to Warsaw. Gentlemen, please, I can't tell you any more. I'm sorry that I even mentioned it. Oh, but you didn't. We got it out of you. Well, after all, if I can't trust you, whom can I trust? And I know it will be buried right here. Warsaw. I'd give my soul to be there for just one hour to see my mother. She's still alive. I only wish it were possible for me to find out. Could you find out about my mother? I understand exactly how you feel, but you must realize I cannot possibly jeopardize the purpose of my trip. Why don't you tell me where I can reach your people? And I'll try my best. Professor Selecki. Yes. My people are fortunately out of Poland, but there is someone in Warsaw. Oh, a lady? Yes. It's a very confidential matter. I, Professor, I'd appreciate it if you'd tell her. But don't tell her husband. Now I know exactly what to tell her. Just say, to be or not to be. She knows. Oh, a code message, eh? Yeah. <laughs> What's the name of the lady? It's Maria Tura. Just a moment, and I'll write it down. Now then, what did you say the name was? Maria Tura. T-U-R-A. Is that correct? Well, don't tell me you never heard of Maria Tura. 
Why should I? Well, you lived in Warsaw, you... Oh, yes, 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 of course, the name is familiar. Well, she's quite well known. Well known? She's famous. Yes, indeed. Here, Professor, is the name of my brother. I you hope you can read the writing. Thanks very much. You get this weird feeling while you're watching that, like, he's not supposed to be telling anybody about this secret mission, so why is he telling all these Polish airmen about this secret mission? And Lieutenant Sobinski, who's played by Robert Stack, a very young, handsome, debonair Robert Stack, I must say, is is suspicious of that and goes to his higher up in the command chain and says, hey, something's going on here. And yeah, they agree with him that, yeah, that's not right. And we need to go intercept him because he's got the names of all the underground in, in Warsaw. Yeah, he was able to get all the names of all these people's families and underground members. Just a flashback real quickly before we get to that scene in England, our our uh, handsome debonair Robert Stack character is in love with Maria Tura, who's the... Uh, oh, right. I totally skipped that part. Famous, the famous actress. Famous actress. And, and so here, we go back to the point where where Joseph Turner is about to begin his soliloquy, and he starts to be or not to be, and old Robert Sag gets up and goes, he has to be in the middle seat. <laughs> he stumbles second out. Row, the, second row, middle seat. Second row. Stumbles out and disappears, and, and, and uh, Jack Benny's character is really thrown off. His timing is all messed up. Well, Stack is in the, in the back uh, romancing his uh, Turner's wife, Now, look, Stanislav, I usually tell my maid when to leave the room. I have so much to tell you. When we're in the plane, we can't talk. When we're in the tea room, we can't do anything but talk. Maria. And when we're in the dressing room, we must be very careful of my makeup. You know, Maria, the other day on the plane, you didn't think I was watching, but I, I saw you looking at me. It was a very sympathetic look, I thought. I had the feeling you liked me. Was I wrong? No, not at all, Stanislav. Tell me, Maria, be frank. You, you still like me? Well, of course. You still like me, huh? You, you think you'll always like me? Well, I don't see any reason why not. Oh, that's wonderful. What are we going to do with your husband? What? We must tell him, of course. Tell him what? That we love each other, that we're mad about each other. He has no right to stand in our way. I'm sure he'll realize the situation. So will Mr. Dobosh. Dobosh? Where does he come in? Oh, you don't want to stay on the stage. Oh, no, no, I wouldn't let you. That's out. You're tired of it anyway. You want to live a quiet life. You said so in the Chronicle. Oh, darling, you really can enjoy that farm now. You won't have to use that plow anymore. I'll buy you a tractor. I'll build a swimming pool for your goldfish. Stanislav, you're really a darling, but you don't seem to realize that I'm a married woman. That's why I want to talk to your husband. But I love my husband. Oh, no, you don't. You're just decent. You're, you're kind, and, and you feel sorry for him. Now, don't you worry. It's a situation between men. I'll wait here for him. Stanislav, you must listen to me. This is probably all my fault, but you must understand that this I... Stay out of it. It's war. Without any declaration of war... German troops crossed our border at several points this evening. Without a word of warning. They'll pay before they're through. We're going to fight them. War. It's really war. People are going to kill each other and be killed. Stanislav. Goodbye, Maria. Stanislav, come back. I have to. I have to see you again. And she's leading him on. Oh, you're wonderful. You're so nice and all that. It's a, it's, he's, she's uh, promoting the romance, I think. Oh, totally. <laughs> she, oh, yeah. She, but she, she's not super serious about it. I think she just loves the adoration. And, and he's really falling head over oh, heels totally, uh, for her. Totally. And, and then it's, it, it's great because he leaves. And then Joseph Tour comes in after his like soliloquy. And is all distraught because it's happened. It's finally happened. <laughs> it happened. What every actor dreads. What, darling? What? Someone walked out on me. Oh. 
Tell me, Maria, am I losing my grip? Oh, of course not, darling. I'm so sorry. But he walked out on me. Well, maybe he didn't feel well. Maybe he had to leave. Maybe he had a sudden heart attack. I hope so. If he stayed, he might have died. Maybe he's dead already. Oh, darling, you're so comforting. <laughs> he's, he's so <laughs> full of himself. It's just... And, and uh, there, there's so much repertoire back and forth. Yeah, there's that. That's one of my favorite scenes because she's quipping with him, and he's he's sort of clueless as to what's actually going on. <laughs> and there's another really funny scene uh, when she's upset because, in her mind, she's just as big a star as he is, and and so she wants to have top billing in the next play that they do together, and. And Joseph goes to talk to the director and the manager of the theater and, and says, Audie's oh, a little cool tonight. Not to me. Oh, I know. I'm giving a rotten performance. I always do when we quarrel. Say something nice. Oh, you faker. I watched your scene with Polonius from the wings and you were never better. I'd give you a kiss right now, but I'm afraid I might ruin my makeup. Oh, darling, you were right this morning. I felt so rotten after the rehearsal. I went to Dobosh and told when he advertises a new play to put your name first. Did you, darling? Oh, that's sweet of you, but I really don't care. That's what Dobosh said, so we left it as it was. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's really upset about that. I mean, it's just that, that's just a good example of, I mean, and there's like 50 of these little interactions between them. It's really fun to watch. Yeah, so that all happens before we, we go back to England. I, I should say there's a lot of character development between all these characters before the action really kicks in. One of the beautiful things about this film and the direction of uh, Ernst Lubitsch is we have parallel plots. We've got the whole interaction with the two tours and, and Robert Stack's character. We've got Warsaw before the invasion, and then we've got the invasion and all that. Then we got the... Uh, Nazi spy that's got all the names of the underground and, and family members in wars. I mean, these are all moving ahead at sort of the same pace, and he pulls it off by pulling it all together with really strong dialogue. Well, and then and then there's like all these other little subplots too, because you, you you've got the two sort of more minor actors. Tom Duggan plays Bronsky, and then I don't know who the other actor is, but they they have that repertoire about how they only get to carry the spears and and i know it would get a laugh and dobar said to me brunsky you're gonna play hitler i thought that was the real start of my career don't worry brunsky they can't keep real talent down forever and the day will come when you'll play shylock the reality see shakespeare must have thought of me when he wrote this it's me have i not eyes have i not hands organs senses dimensions affections passions Fed with the same food, hurt with the same weapons, subject to the same diseases. If you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? It moved into tears. Instead, I have to carry a spear. That's all we do, carry a spear. Carry a spear in the first act. Carry a spear in the second act. Carry Ravitch off the scene in the last act. How oh, I'd love to drop that ham right in the center of the stage. Would get a terrific laugh. The play gets canceled because the powers that be in Warsaw don't want to make Hitler upset. So there's that whole thing. And then uh, there's, the, there's the whole thing between uh, Captain Schultz and C Colonel Earhart, I think it yes. is. Yes! <laughs> Schultz! So incompetent, it's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, there's just it's just so much happening, and and again, that's why I think this movie, you you kind of have to watch it at least two times, uh, and and as you said, the more you watch it, I think the more you get out of it. The other character that that uh, is is interacting with the with the guy that plays uh, Hitler was uh, Felix Brassart as uh, Greenberg. He's a member of the company, oh, right. okay. and he, he he dreams of playing Shylock. Right, yes. and he gets his he gets his chance later in the film. So Stack gets the okay from the higher ups to parachute back into Poland and try to get to Seleski before he gets there and starts murdering all these uh, underground characters. But unfortunately, Seleski was able to get there sooner than anybody thought. 
So now we get into different masquerades that have to be played. And so it's it's kind of a good thing that half these people or most of these people are actors because now they have to impersonate Nazi commanders, try to infiltrate the headquarters. Selesky requests that Maria Tura visit him at the headquarters of the Nazis in Warsaw. And and they and so Maria and Joseph and Lieutenant Sobinski think, okay, well this is our chance. You need to find out where all these papers are that have the names of the underground. And so so now now they're getting involved and, and they have to also become part of the underground to try to get all this information back from Selensky. Selensky. And it gets even more complicated because they're they're going to spirit him away to their uh, make-believe Gestapo headquarters, which they, con- right. they convert the theater into Gestapo headquarters. And then Joseph Tour is going to p- pretend to be concentration camp Earhart. Benny must have loved this this film because he plays four different characters: <laughs> Joseph Tura, Colonel Earhart, uh, the spy Selesky, and then he's Hitler's bodyguard near the end of the film. So he's, oh, he's right. just, yeah. he really he's really all over this film. I had to do a double take when he was impersonating Selesky because I, I at first I thought, well, did he actually just play both those characters the entire time? Because he looks so much like Stanley Ridges. It's crazy. It really is. That was an excellent job of makeup. But unfortunately for our troop of actors, they get discovered as not really being the Gestapo by Selesky, and he tries to make his escape into the theater, but he gets killed. So now Benny's got to play his character, I swear. It gets complicated in the middle of the, of the film, in the second act. <laughs> I, I would love to see the storyboard for that film that Lubitsch oh must my have gosh. Had put together because there are so many different characters and plots. And then the whole time this is going on, there's this back and forth between Robert Stack and Jack Benny's character about Carol Lombard and how <laughs> there's one part where uh, Jack Benny is going to be going off to impersonate, I forget, maybe Colonel Earhart. And and he says, okay, goodbye to his wife. And then he turns to Robert Stack and says, I guess you want to say goodbye. Go ahead. This may be the last time we'll see each other. I can only say it was wonderful knowing you, Maria. Well, goodbye, Mrs. Tuller. Goodbye, Mrs. Savinsky. Come on, come on. <laughs> Imagine the shock of for Benny when he comes back and finds Stack in bed. That's got to be a little unnerving, too. So there's this whole, yeah, there's a lot that happens where they're kind of impersonating different people. And there's a lot of overacting of Joseph Tura's character when he's impersonating Colonel Earhart. Professor Selecki, I'm glad to see you. And I'm glad to see you, too. <laughs> Sit down, please. Thank you very much. I can't tell you how delighted we are to have you here. And may I say, my dear Colonel, that it's good to breathe the air of the Gestapo again. <laughs> you know, you're quite famous in London, Colonel. They call you Concentration Camp Earhart. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, we do the concentrating and the Poles do the camping. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, here's the report. That's the end of the underground movement. Hmm. Let's see. Excellent, excellent. And you oh. think, gosh, there's no way that Colonel Earhart's really like that. And then you find, then we meet the real Colonel Earhart, and he's exactly like he's, that. He's exact. And every time there's a mix-up, he he blames his subordinate for all the errors, and he's always saying, "Was it Schultz?" That was an inspiration for the Hogan's Hero character, the Nazi, and he was always yelling. I think this. I think it was the same name, Schultz. It was. I think that Sig Ruman played the Colonel in Hogan's Heroes. I'm not sure oh, of that. Even better. I didn't know that. It, it, I'm not sure because it'd be <laughs> so. It'd be so much later. It may have been someone else that looked like him. But there's a lot of that going on in Hogan's Heroes. It all comes to a head though because it turns out that um, Hitler is actually going to be visiting Warsaw, and he wants to go to see a show at the at the theater there and um so the underground puts together this whole elaborate plan where they're going to impersonate some nazi higher-ups and kind of infiltrate the theater and i i kind of missed this whole setup in the the first time i watched it because like i said again there's just so much that was happening but they 
they get in there early enough where some of them can hide in the bathrooms. Like uh, one of them hides in the women's bathroom and like three or four of them hide in the men's bathroom. And I think it was Felix Broussard is hiding in the women's bathroom. And then as, as the show kind of gets going and there's all these SS officers out in the kind of the lobby area guarding the theater, he just walks out of the women's restroom dressed in plain clothes and all the SS officers surround him. And then while that chaos is going on, then the like five or six other people, including I think uh, Joseph Tura is part of that group, come out of the men's restroom and are pretending to be like the colonel and, and stuff like that. And, rescue Greenberg, but not before Greenberg gives his big soliloquy yes, he that the... he's been practicing his whole life. <laughs> and we mustn't forget that uh, Benny's character as as Selesky is able to pull off the fact that uh, he survives being c- caught by the bumbling Colonel Earhart who thinks they've discovered that he is a kind of a double agent because they found the real body. Yeah, they found the real Selesky's body. And, and so there's that's one of the, that is one of the more fun scenes to watch because <laughs> they put uh joseph tura in with the dead body of professor seletsky thinking that that's going to make joseph crack but joseph plays it off like it's interesting that you put me in here with this other per- this other body here he seems to be dead and <laughs> it was fortunate he had a he had an extra beard with him and a razor so he was able to put a fake beard on seletsky yeah, and he and he plays it off that actually he is the real Seletsky and this dead body is the fake Seletsky. And... Uh, Colonel, I don't want to hurry you, but do you think it'll be much longer? Oh, did you get bored? Uh, no, no, I tried to open up a conversation with your friend in there, but he seems to be dead. No, really? Let's go and see. It looks like murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm wrong, Colonel, please correct me. But there seems to be a slight resemblance between me and your late friend. Has that struck you too? Oh, definitely, definitely. And you know, I have a terrible suspicion that one of us must be an imposter. I hadn't thought of that. But now that you mention it, I think you're right. Now, uh, now, just for fun, Colonel, which one of us do you think is the imposter? Oh, I hope you won't consider it impolite, Professor. But there's a general feeling in this room that it's you. Please forgive me. Oh, certainly, certainly. Do you mind if I play detective? Go right ahead, Professor Siletsky. Thank you. Thank you. Hmm. Edmondson's London. The real Siletsky came from London. The suit was bought in London. You think it looks bad for me? Terrible. Hmm. His watch is still running, which means he was killed since the real Professor Siletsky arrived in war. This really looks bad for me. You know I'm liable to get shot? There's a distinct possibility. And there's no doubt there was a definite purpose. He wanted to look like me? Or you wanted to look like him. That's right. That's right. Our hair is cut alike, and even the shape of our beards is somewhat similar. Not similar. Exactly alike. How long did you know each other? I just met him here. Now you're lying. Plain lying. You must have observed him for several months. It takes that long to grow a beard of that kind. Very good, Schultz. Very good. Excellent, Schultz. Except you forget I may be wearing a false beard. (laughs) (laughs) Very funny. (laughs) No, Professor, I tell you a better story. Maybe he is wearing a false beard. Oh, I hardly think so. Why don't you convince yourself? Why don't you pull his beard? I can't do it. No, you can't, eh? Too sensitive, eh? You can murder a man. You can kill him cold blood. But you cannot pull a man's paper to... I can't believe it. Schultz! How dare you put me in this position? I can't rely on anybody. But, Colonel, you gave the order yourself. Shifting the responsibility on me again? That's all, Schultz. Good night, gentlemen. Professor, I don't know how to apologize. But, Colonel, you were only doing your duty. And if there's still the slightest doubt in your mind, why don't you pull my beard? Oh, please, Professor. Oh, come on. No, no, no. Just no, one. No, 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 please, no. Don't rub it in. I assure you, I never believed it for one minute. But this should. And, and Professor, if you should see the field. You'd appreciate if I didn't tell yes. him. My word oh, of honor. Thank you so much. And now the most important thing is to get you to London as quickly as possible. With Mrs. Turner? Oh, yes, of course. Anything you say, Professor. Get me the airport. 
And then, of course, Colonel Earhart is all upset at Schultz, saying that, Schultz, this is all your fault. Yeah, Schultz! <laughs> but, yeah, that kind of that kind of happens uh, pretty close to the end of the movie, because that's kind of the setup to where they actually do get all the paperwork and the names and everything, and and then the setup at the theater where they are causing all this chaos to happen. Um, I think, was he impersonating a general at that time? And he was supposed to be uh, protecting Hitler, who was being impersonated by Bronsky. Yeah, and they all get into the they all get into the entourage, the cars, and they're they're heading out to the airport to to make their escape. Yes, but wait, there's one more scene where I think Earhart, uh, the real Earhart. It's hard to keep this all. If this sounds a little confusing to the listeners, it's only because there are so many things going on, all of which are great, and we may not have the sequence quite right. But near the end of the film, I think Colonel Earhart decides he wants to romance. Maria Tora <laughs> right. back at her apartment. Yeah. He's putting the big moves on her, and who should show up at the door? Hitler! It's Schultz. Oh, Mrs. Tora, I'm so sorry. Well, Colonel, I don't like to be impolite, but I have an appointment. All right, I'd write you there. Thank you, but you don't understand. Someone is coming. Aha, uh-huh. someone is coming here. If he should find you. Oh, I am here on official business. There's nothing to worry about. Mrs. Tura, consider yourself in the arms of the Gestapo. But, Colonel, I'm a married woman. But you're expecting someone. Now I have to stay here. But, Colonel, I... I have to protect your husband. <laughs> Oh, Colonel, you really mustn't do this. Mrs. Tura, I'll give you a bracelet. I confiscated a beautiful one today. I don't want a bracelet. Yeah, I, I, I can make life worth living for you. I, I can give you extra butter rations. I'll give you three eggs a week. I don't want any eggs. <laughs> Colonel, please go. Maria! I will... You tell me. Oh, how could I? Don't you understand? Haven't you any tact? My Fuhrer! My Fuhrer! Uh, or the impersonator. <laughs> played, played by Bronsky. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and Earhart just about poops his pants because like, he's wow. like, ah, oh, why didn't you tell me that he that, that Air Fuhrer was going to be here? And Maria's like, well, I tried to tell you, and <laughs> it's just—I swear, it's—it's—it's—it it's, it's, it gets there. There are so many things going on. I th- we've captured the essence of it, but we may not have all the sequences quite right. I, I think it, I think if you haven't seen this movie, we're probably not helping you really understand <laughs> the plot. Uh, but if you've if you've seen it, or if you listen to this and then go watch it, you'll understand why it's so hard to try to explain it <laughs> well it and then and then they they make their escape back to england in, in a plane that is being piloted by two nazi pilots and they're over the the channel and one of them goes to the to the cabin and says okay you two air fear wants to, to see you and so they go back and and he just orders them to jump out of the plane I don't even think they had parachutes on. No, they just and they just jump. They just went out, jump out of the plane, and they without a second thought. The Hitler character says, "Well, obliging fellows." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Sobinski flies the plane in, and the one thing that was a little confusing for me was why didn't they just land the plane? It, it looked like they had to bail out, and I think it might have been because they got shot down by anti-aircraft fire. That's, that's always been in my mind, why did that happen? Because the only one that we see parachuting turns out to be Hitler. He lands in that haystack. But I'm assuming that they all parachuted out. I mean, I, I, I don't know. There's a lot happening, but it, it makes sense when you're watching it, and everything connects together, except at the very, very end, it's not clear how they all end up together being interviewed by the press one minute they're flying over the channel and these two nazis jump out of the plane at the behest of bronsky who's impersonating hitler the next thing we see is bronsky floating down out of the sky landing in a hay bale and then the next scene is they're all back together being interviewed by the press and it's like well um 
I think we missed something there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was looking at the length of time it ran. It was 99 minutes in its duration. So maybe there was an edict from headquarters, keep it under 100 minutes. So maybe that Must scene was lost on the cutting room floor. It's not a big deal, but it is kind of a head-scratcher. And then they're asking uh, Joseph Tour, who is again saying, well, I couldn't have done it without all of these folks. Yeah. No matter how minor their roles were, <laughs> right. you know, it, on the it's like one of those backhanded compliments. Like, yes, I couldn't have done it without them, although they didn't do very much. All those little people <laughs> that helped me get her. And he wants to, and his big goal is to play Hamlet in the land of Shakespeare. And so then the next scene is his, him coming onto stage in his Hamlet outfit. And again, he's he's way too old to play Hamlet. It's just it's just <laughs> odd looking, and. And then, of course, right as he starts his to be or not to be speech, somebody in the second row gets up and gets out and starts leaving. And and it's funny because Sobinski's sitting right there, too. And they both both Sobinski and Joseph look over at him like, wait a minute. <laughs> they all, they both guy. know he's, they're going that guy's <laughs> a new guy's going back to romance Maria. <laughs> so. I tell you, Maria liked to have uh, lots of uh, friends, should we say. Yes, young, attractive ador- adoration from these men, uh, and and if they're in uniform, even better. There was a funny, there was a funny line she says where, he, uh, when when Sobinski first meets Maria, and he he says, "Well, I'm I'm sorry if I'm a little nervous. I've never met somebody famous before," and she says, "Would you permit me to show you my plane?" Maybe. When shall I call for you? Tomorrow, at two o'clock at my home. No, I better meet you right at the airport. Goodbye. Mm. I hope you forgive me if I acted a little clumsy, but this is the first time I ever met an actress. Lieutenant, this is the first time I've ever met a man who could drop three tons of dynamite in two minutes. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) It's so well written. I I did want to mention that Carol Lombard, this was... uh, Tragically, her last role, because she was killed in a plane crash while she was returning from a war, war bond drive in, in uh, 1942. She had such a brilliant career. Even at that young age, she was 33 when she died. She'd already made 42 films. And then Robert Stack. I, I'll never forget how I always wanted to go see him in The Untouchables on television. It was like the number one rated show back in the late 50s, early 60s, he was playing Elliot Ness, and it was kind of the forerunner of that Untouchables movie that Kevin Costner was in in the mid-80s. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he had, a, he had a really long career, and he was a world-class champion skeet shooter. We use a shot. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was, I think, I think that was an Olympic event, or it was some national event, or international event. Whenever I think of Robert Stack, I think of that movie Airplane. Wasn't he yeah, an airplane? Yeah, he, he was the captain. <laughs> <laughs> he takes no, no guff from anybody as he enters the airport. Yes. <laughs> well, and then Jack Benny was uh, was mainly a comedic actor, and this was one of his few dramatic roles, although there's a ton of comedy in it. And he was, uh, I was reading that he was very nervous about his acting ability and, and just didn't think that he could pull it off. And he kept asking uh, the director, Ernst Lubitsch, for more pointers and help. And and Lubitsch would like do exactly what uh, Jack Benny was supposed to do, kind of pantomiming it out. And, and you know, he was excellent. I, I think he could have been... He should have done more dramatic roles. I thought he was so good in this. He was. I Although yeah. it was very com- comedic at the same time. I grew up listening to him on his radio show, and then he moved over to television when when he became even a bigger success. And this film is, is in the National uh, Film Registry. It was selected for, for preservation. So it's, it's a top-notch film. I would give it a 10 in my scale. Yeah, I would give it a 10. Definitely. I think the first time I watched it and recorded, I gave it a nine. And again, I think it, it, it gets better the more you watch it. So on my second viewing, I was like, oh, this is a 10. What was I, th- what was I thinking the first time around? <laughs> this is definitely a 10. If someone that's yeah. listening hasn't seen it, it's really worth seeing. And it's pretty easy to, to find. 
It got great reviews. It's got an 8.2 on uh, IMDb with 29,824 ratings. That's pretty good. Um, I think it's also a timely movie. I mean, the whole setup for uh, Germany invading Poland and, and sort of the blind devotion that the Nazis have to to Hitler and, and the Nazi cause, uh, I think still resonates today. And I think it's still worth watching films like this to kind of remember you know like what what was going on at that time every time i see it i marvel at how lubitsch was able to pull all those different plot lines into a in a finished product that is so excellent it's just a testament to his genius masterfully done so uh that was uh, our review of to be or not to be and uh, it's going to be published to the feed a little bit out of order because we had to re- re-record it and uh so toll of the sea is episode 192 and then um shanghai express is after that so we're getting into our anime wong festival all right well that was fun (laughs) i enjoyed that uh coming to you from north bend this is matt and here in los angeles is bob wishing everybody happy movie watching (laughs) 